0: Hi, everyone. It is Morgan and Laura. coming at you for quick hitter number three. It's my first one, though, so excited to be on and we thought we'd just update you on our two sports um so Morgan, I figured you'd kick it off because it can be like in the order <laughs> of our rant and me. we can go baseball and then we can go hockey <laughs> right
1: um so basically, right after we recorded the podcast that went out Monday, it was pretty much out of date because. whole bunch of stuff happened uh, with both hockey and baseball right after um the Cardinals now have like 13 players I think is or I don't think it's just players it's players and like staff that have tested positive so they're not playing this week the Phillies are playing are finally able to play again they think the two positive tests that they had were possibly false positives which is interesting, but also kind of even sucks more for them because it's like, again, they did everything right, and thank God they didn't get it, but it still kind of sucks to be like, okay, so there's false positives now, so what are we going to do with
0: that? It's actually an interesting point and kind of goes a little bit out of sports, but whatever, Um, is that there are different tests produced by different Mm -hmm. companies, and because So, in the beginning of the coronavirus, there was a criticism of the US that they had too strict, the FDA had too strict requirements, which was preventing tests from being made, which was kind of the reason for the shortage. So, of course, they needed to open up some of the restrictions so they could get testing. But what that means is that there is a little bit of a variance in quality. And Mm -hmm. so, it's not just having tests, it's how good are they. And so, we're going to hear obviously about the false positives and that's good to know but will we ever know if there was like some false negatives and then that led to some outbreak and it's kind of hard to know that side of things so it is an interesting thing where it's like not just for the MLB because I don't know who they're using but for any sports league is what's the quality of the testing that you're doing right and
1: that kind of happened with the Rangers during uh summer camp where Gallo tested positive, then you have to have two consecutive negatives within I think 24 hours apart. Um, and his his second one was negative and then the one after that was positive. So, and I think they had been two different tests. I think one was like a saliva test and the other one was a swab maybe. I, I know they were two different kinds, I think was the issue with that. But it's it's interesting because then part of me kind of wonders, Well, could any of the Marlins say they got a false positive? Could any of the Cardinals say they got a false positive?
0: The thing with the Cardinals, I think when you get to 13, the likelihood that every single 13 is a false positive. If all 13 are false positive, they need to dump (laughs) that company, like, right away. Right. And it it still – it
1: boggles my mind that, like – essentially a whole team decided let's go out we'll be fine and then a whole other team was like let's go to a casino we'll be fine first of all why
0: are casinos even open oh don't get i okay (laughs) story time with Laura so I live in Council Bluffs Iowa and it is right across the river from Omaha Nebraska does not allow casinos Iowa does Council Bluffs has like 60,000 people Omaha has like 800,000 people And so all of the people from Omaha come over to Council Bluffs to gamble. And our casinos, there's, like, forced charitable donation they have to do by (laughs) law. Our charity, keep in mind, town of 60,000 people, the, like, charity that they're basically forced Uh to donate to, has an unrestricted cash, last I checked, over $300 million for a town of 60,000 people. Because we make that much money. So that's why they're open. Because casinos make so much money
1: should have known it was a money thing. Um, then on Sunday, there the Mets went very Mets, and really just after we had just talked about how they weren't being very Metsy, and then they went full Mets. So and it's so weird because it was
0: self-inflicted. It
1: for real, and it it was like a three-hour thing, and so the first thing that was out was like. Joanna Cespedes is missing. The team can't find him. He didn't report to the, the field, and just hearing that immediately, worst thought. I'm like, this is not going to end well, because usually when that like the my first thought was what happened with the angels, and mm-hmm. that and like because why else wouldn't someone just show up to the ballpark or call in or tell someone like that's just your first thought, and then like an hour later it was like they don't know where he is but they've been told he's fine what that sounds like a kidnapping i don't (laughs) they don't know where he is but he's fine are you being held for ransom what is happening here like it got less ominous but more confusing and then like an hour later it was like through his agent the gm has learned that he is opting out for the season and apparently they had checked like i don't know if he's staying in a hotel or if he has like an apartment there or whatever but apparently, like, the team went and checked and, like, all his stuff was gone. But, yeah, he was still fine. Like, that's the thing that confused okay. and me about that I, like, I were-
0: heard something else. I heard that, like, after the fact, uh, Brody Van Wagen and the GM kind of revealed that he knew before that press release came out that he opted out. And so he was like, yes, he opted out, but I didn't know where he was. And it's like, okay, but he opted out. That's, like, an important <laughs> part of the story. Right. Because then it was, like...
1: Um, I think before we even knew for sure he opted out when they were saying, "Oh, the Mets know where he is and he's fine, he just didn't report." They were like they knew that before they offic- they even like did the first report of we don't know where he is and he didn't show up. They never included the but he's fine. We know. We've contacted people who have are with him or talked to him or whatever. Like pe- like I was legitimately worried. I was like we are going to get some bad news soon.
0: And okay, okay they, they, they just the never fight. released the first fre- press release. Like, you can't have a, because, okay, the thing about Tyler Skaggs never came out until after he'd been, like, discovered yeah. already. And the same thing with uh, the, I forget his name, Fernandez. Fernandez, yes. the pitcher in Miami. Mm-hmm. It's like, they didn't just be like, well, we don't know where he is. Yeah. That's not a press release. You're just, like, stoking
1: fear. There was also a thing that, like, right, I think between the first and the second one, one of the beat reporters were, like, this is potentially, like, a shaming tactic by the Mets to basically get him to show up or something like that. I was, like,
0: what the heck is going on? This is the most Mets thing That's kind of the thing I kind of deduced from it was, like, Mm -hmm. Okay, he because I think he signed like a one-year contract, pretty cheap, but still. And then was doing. He started off with a home run in the first game, and then it just kind of all went downhill. And so he was like, "Man, not doing this anymore. I'm opting out." But he still gets paid even though he opts out. So the Mets gave him like a one-year contract for basically like a few games. And so the only thing that I could like deduce is they were like really annoyed with him. And decided that this would be, but okay, using like people being afraid that you've been like killed by the drug cartel as like revenge doesn't make you look like the good person in this. Like, all you need to do is be like, he opted out and you will look like the good person because he has been gone for all these years, some of it due to injury, whatever, whatever. But then he comes back for a year, like, signs a contract willingly. Yeah. for a year and then just like plays a few games in pieces like he's going to look probably if, it, if someone's going to look bad it's going to be him
1: because he did say he also like based it off of the fact that more players were testing positive so it was more of like he said it was more of like for COVID risk and I was like okay I get it but like can y'all say this first before and not to say like if he was like a minor league player or a lesser known name but like he's a well-known name like you should know this was gonna spark a lot especially like his history
0: one of his injuries was because he had that ranch that he like lived on and the the first press release said he suffered a non-horse injury on the (laughs) ranch which why do you have to specify non-horse like did you need to specify (laughs) non-cow and then it was something about a boar and, like, he was running away from a wild boar and, like, stepped into a hole and, like, did something, broke his ankle, and it's, like, okay, when that happens, and you're just, like, okay, and he disappeared, like, like, people are gonna think things because it's been a whole strange thing.
1: And then, like, there was also the thing where after the first report, it came out that they were, like, they made it seem like they still hadn't checked, like, his hotel or apartment or whatever, and it's, like, So shouldn't that have been the first, like, you call and you call and nothing, then you go physically to where he's living. That's your second step. Like, they just made it, they made it so much worse than if they had waited like an hour or two to be like, through his agent, we have learned that Jonas Estadis is opting out for the rest of the season. Boom, done. No controversy whatsoever. Because then if you can't locate him, well, that's not really on you. Yeah. He opted out. Right. It, it like, doesn't really matter if you don't know where he is because you don't expect him to be somewhere. Yeah. So, that's been a fun time. I was, like, really? This on top of everything else?
0: Um, anything else in baseball or do you want me to go for my hockey fun? I'm
1: hoping that's it. I'm sure I blocked something out. But
0: probably because hockey's been so much better. So, okay. First, I have to say even though I know the stars are involved in this, the round robin, it's just not as fun. The one exciting yeah. thing was the avalanche beating the blues with, and scoring the winning goal with point one second left. It was the coolest thing I have ever. It's like, I don't, I've never seen a goal like that. With 0.1 seconds left, it was so amazing. And
1: Bennington laying flat out on the ice was just like icing on the cake
0: i knew i was like as soon as i saw this i'm like this is like <laughs> gonna be so satisfying for it,
1: it truly was like i do i do like the avalanche but obviously they're in the same division and stuff so i don't like fully like them mm-hmm. but the fact that it was also them against
0: spinnington like was just perfect um, the interesting thing about the playing games, I'll say, is there's been some, like, very weird results the first game. So, like, <laughs> Columbus beat Toronto, which I don't really think anyone expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Montreal beat Pittsburgh. Chicago beat Edmonton. Those two were probably the big ones. Um, and so there were some, like, very weird results. Um but it, it seemed to have settled down a little bit. Edmonton yeah. and Pittsburgh both won their second game. And I'm watching Carolina right now up 3-1. And they, if, if, they finish this, if they finish this out in the last eight minutes, then they would have swept New York, which I think most people thought Carolina is a more complete team yeah. than New York is by a mile. Um, and so I think that makes sense. And Carolina looks really good. Um, but some really interesting things um, with – what's going on with hockey it's just been interesting to see like I love one of the things they've done is um, they have these huge video boards that you can see that they like put in the stands where fans would be and they'll have zoom calls with a bunch of fans doing like chants during the game and so that's some of the crowd noise and it actually really works and so I like stuff like that Um, it is interesting because the on-the-glass reporter can hear, like, everything that's said on the ice, mm-hmm. so they can report, like, literally everything, <laughs> and then even us, like, we can hear, usually when a team thinks there's been a penalty against them, the whole bench will be yelling, but you don't hear that on the TV, because there's, like, all the fans, but yeah. even with the crowd noise, you can hear it every single time, and so then you're like, oh, was that a penalty, and half the time it isn't, they're just trying to get a call, <laughs> But it's just, it's interesting those little things that we've seen happen and like how, just how different it is. But um, the one thing I did want to point out, so Andrey Svechnikov uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes in game two got a hat trick. And there was like, obviously there were no hats because there's no fans. And so they put a bunch of hats in his stall and it was whatever. But then later that night, Connor McDavid got a hat trick, but keep in mind he's playing in the hub of Edmonton and he plays for Edmonton. Yeah. And so someone who clearly worked for whatever was doing stuff at the hub had a bunch of Edmonton hats and like was throwing them on the ice. And now, Lord knows if a Chicago player had a hat trick if she'd have done the same thing. Yeah. But it, it I kind of liked it. It was it was a little fun. Yeah. It was it
1: was kind of funny because it's kinda of like, oh, at least they have that little moment for themselves, even if it is just for because he was an Edmonton player playing in Edmonton.
0: But beyond that, I don't really see like the home team really having like like the home team being Toronto and Edmonton really yeah. having that much. I do think people are discounting because like they're saying, Oh, what's the point of the round robin? Like the seating thing and all of that. The thing is it's there is a difference in that the one seed from each conference is guaranteed home ice, and home ice like oh, it's like in baseball, it matters if you're in the top or the bottom of the inning. Mm-hmm. Like the other stuff, obviously matters too, and you, that obviously is irrelevant. But having top or bottom really matters. And yeah. same thing in in hockey, having last change is a huge thing because if you have last change then you can put your fourth line on the ice coming out of a timeout or something. Cause you know, okay, I'm comfortable with them against this team. Right. If, but if you have first change, then you put your fourth line out and they can put their first line out and you're like, well, screw like I'm screwed. Like gotta hope they don't get a goal. And so it just is, it makes it strategically so different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, okay, so I have the other ranger game on. <laughs> We're
0: both watching rangers.
1: <laughs> and uh, Gallo just did what I've been screaming for players to do when they get shifted on, and that's bunt, because everything basically to the left of second base is open, so just bunt. They're not
0: going to catch it, and it's a free hit, basically. He finally did it. It was beautiful. Oh, so I wanted to talk about this because I heard this in the Cubs game. This discussion, uh-huh. and I thought it was interesting because they were talking about how when the shift came in and like no one, like everyone hated all the players hated it, mm-hmm. and like every pitcher, when a ball would go where someone would have been pre-shift, and yeah. wasn't. Then they'd get upset. But then they, eventually, as they did it more and more, they saw okay, the shift is getting me a lot more outs than it's costing yeah. me. They were talking about with pitching. And how, like, if you look at the pure strategy of it, like, the way it's done now and, like, the wins and saves and all of that, it doesn't really make sense strategically. And, like, some people have thoughts of different things. So, like, instead of having your closer, have that person be the opener mm-hmm. because that, that's a person who can come in and just, like, get a few outs. And you really need that in the beginning against the best lineup like the the top three and then the the like starter would pitch the middle like several innings yeah and then you would start having a few bullpen or something like that like start expanding with like what like why do we need starter reliever closer like why can't we just kind of go go with what makes sense and then as that goes like what what pitching records are going to go and stuff like that
1: Yeah, so they've kind of started. The Rangers did more of that last year, and I want to say it started more. I feel like last year was the first year a lot of teams got on board with an opener, or at least experimenting with it. Joe Madden was kind—I think it was Joe Madden—was kind of the first one to do it. I want to say it was him. It might not be him, but I feel like he starts most of that stuff. So I think it was him. Um, and I, there's a real benefit to it if you know a player or, like, a young pitcher who struggles to get through, like, the um, the lineup twice. Um, like, for instance, Lance, Lance Lynn is pitching right now. He's an ace for the Rangers. You wouldn't have an opener for him because you know he can get through a lineup twice, at least. Yeah. Um, but they did it a lot for the younger guys and the guys who they didn't really want to face those top three guys more than like once. Like your
0: fifth starter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: because I'm i I'm totally blanking on literally every starter the Rangers had last year that isn't Mike Miner or Lance Lynn, but they like, um, Jesse Chavez was an opener for a couple of them, I believe. Um, I think LeClerc might've been an opener for a couple of guys. And it, for the most part, it worked out for the guys that they were doing it with because it, it like you said, closers are, they're used to coming in at the top of an inning, so it makes sense to have your closer be an opener. Um, the the thing that they have always some people worry about is like starters are also used to coming to start the game in mm-hmm. at the top, a fresh inning, um, and the only thing that an opener it's it's only beneficial if they can for sure get out one two three. If they face the fourth batter, it kind of ruins the rest of the uh, lineup for the the actual starter um so yeah it would be your closer and it it works especially if you have a decent bullpen if your bullpen is still not that great it won't help you that much because like when the rangers did it i think usually the starter in that case went second the second inning third fourth maybe the fifth maybe the sixth but usually it almost turned into a bullpen game and depending on the team that you're facing that can get sketchy, but I, I kind of want to see it done more this year since there's such a shortened season. I
0: think you can have more fun and play with strategy. That's like kind that. of what I want with this year. Like just want them to try different things and just see, cause like, what's the next shift? What's the next thing? That's like eventually everyone's just going to do it.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually surprised that I haven't really heard of very many openers this year because last year, it seemed like a lot of, at least, it felt like at least every team did it with one starter. Mm-hmm. And I I think the Rangers might end up doing it just because they've had some starting pitching issues, and they have now a, lot, a few younger guys at the end of their rotation. So they might try doing that again. And I kind of hope they do, just, just to see. But then again, the closer, Jose LeClerc, is now on
0: IL, so... Who knows, but, again, experimenting is fun. And I also have to give props because I feel like – I heard this on a podcast, and I think it's so true. Jake DeGrom completely killed the win stat. Like, it was already pretty much dead, but, like, the fact that he has, like, basically a two ERA and almost never has a winning record. (laughs) Yeah, very Mets. Here's the stat I heard that if the Mets got him four runs every game – he would have, he would in his career have three losses. Like some no decisions, of course, but yeah. three losses. That, isn't that <laughs> frustrating? Like, I would be so pissed if I was DeGrom. He, and yeah, how, like, how he hasn't, but that, it is kind of a good thing because I think the fact that people can be like, okay, that is an amazing pitcher. Yeah. Who's just like, shackled by his team so all of those stats those traditional pitcher things very like most of them obviously era matters but a lot of them are meeting meaningless Mm -hmm. and so have like it kind of I think frees a little bit of the the mind to explore and yeah
1: that kind of happened with Darvish when he was a ranger that was like a big thing like he would give up like two maybe three runs and he'd get like zero run support and I swear to god it happened so often, it was so frustrating because then, like, the next game they'd get like 10 runs, and you'd be like, Yeah,
0: and that pitcher would probably give up like five, and you'd yeah. be like, Okay, come on, yeah, it's like
1: really your ace is the one you can't score runs for.
0: Yeah, so, that, so I, just, some interesting, <laughs> just some interesting things, I, I, and that's kind of what the quicker is for, just some yeah. random interesting things that have fascinated us. It looks to me, since there's two and a half minutes left in the game, I think we're going to safely say we might have our first plane series in the books, I'm going to, unless something tragic happens, <laughs> um, Carolina is probably going to move on right along, and New York has an empty net, No. Carolina has what like a wouldn't it be close to a week off? Yeah, because so we still have so much to get done, and yeah kinda, some of it depends on how long these playing series go. Not entirely sure, but yeah. um, I, I, I would, I, I'm pretty confident we'll have at least one five game series. Yeah. And now I don't know if they're okay with starting the East. If the, West is do- if the West isn't done or starting the West if the East isn't done or if everyone has to be done before they start.
1: I would imagine I everyone in your
0: conference has yeah. to be done before you start the next round. And I would imagine they'd just wait for everyone just so the schedule makes more sense. But it is interesting. They're gonna get some time to like chill. And while the- while the teams that are in the top four are doing playing games, they're not playing at all. So definitely they'll need to have, like, stimulated kind of games and practice yeah. and stuff. But they're a really good team. I've been really impressed with them so far. Uh, Steve Dangle on his podcast kind of pointed out at the deadline, they had a lot of injuries. They had Dougie Hamilton, who still hasn't played, Brett Pesci, and a few other injuries. And so they kind of loaded up with those injuries in mind. And now, like, Dougie Hamilton is – closer I think to coming back and so it's like they can they, they could be just a completely low-grade team but New York I think they had a lot to show this year Artemi Panarin is absolutely amazing um they just like their defense it ain't it Um, but they're still in kind of the rebuilding and I thought they've done a rebuild really well and I think this is probably the best thing for them because you look at this team and just the construction of it there was absolutely no way they were going to get far at all like Mm -hmm. if they won this series they were not going to get out of the first round and now they have a 12.5% chance that Alexi Lafreniere and that would be transformational for their team and and that's where their team is at that probably is something they would want more than like the 0.001 chance they would have at winning the cup if they advanced to this round because they would have no shot yeah oh and Reimer just made a great save
1: (laughs) so on that
0: note is there anything else you want to discuss or we can
1: um, do you want to talk about all the, uh, kneeling? Or oh yeah, let's thereof? talk
0: about that. So I thought this was interesting. Um, asked, the Vegas Dallas game we had, um, Brian Reeves, I think is the important one to talk about. Mm-hmm. He had talked about feeling uncomfortable and like not wanting to make his teammates feel uncomfortable with and So that's why he wasn't sure about the whole kneeling thing and then thought about it and decided to kneel. And he talked with, the Dallas Stars namely Tyler Sagan and Tyler and uh, Jason Dickinson mm-hmm. if I got that right um yes. kneeled and then also and I thought this was perhaps the most compelling to me because it didn't I, it was good to see but it didn't necessarily surprise me that Tyler and Ryan kneeled just because from what we've seen from Tyler and obviously Ryan but Robin Leonard I thought was fascinating and I mm-hmm. thought it's kind of a really good testament um, because he uh, wore a Trump sticker on his helmet a couple years ago. But I think it's important for people to remember that he um, uh, was an addict and diagno- had undiagnosed bipolar oh, at wow. that time. And that was pre-rehab, pre-all of that. And not saying that that excuses racism. Obviously, right. it doesn't. And he's the first one to tell you that he did a lot of stuff in when he wasn't sober when he wasn't in treatment that he still is accountable for but i think it it kind of shows you that he really is a different person and he Mm -hmm. talked about how he really regrets wearing that sticker and apologized for that and just how he's learned so much and as part of his recovery growth learning so much more about the world because he's more in the world now And so that's why he decided to do that. And I thought that was really powerful just in, like, a a humility perspective. Yeah. Of, like, especially athletes, it's not always easy for them to admit, like, hey, I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that humility was was really something amazing to see and pretty impactful.
1: And I think especially after seeing um is it dumba i always feel like i'm saying his name wrong
0: at dumba yeah
1: yeah after he um gave that great speech which game was that again was it edmonton
0: it was minnesota and they're playing gosh i don't even know who they're playing whoever's minnesota's playing and oh vancouver they're playing vancouver
1: yeah and he gave like a really great speech and he now and then, oh
0: yeah, that was in the Edmonton Chicago game, which made no sense. But yeah,
1: and he then, plays for Minnesota. I don't know if it was that night or the next night that JT Brown raised. No, that was his, Matt Dumba again. Is that Matt Dumba? Okay, I saw JT Brown tweet about mm-hmm. it, so then I got the mix up. Okay, and he r- had his fist raised during both anthems, but like he didn't have any
0: support from his team, which really sucked mm-hmm. to see. The thing too is that. It, is kind of underreported is he didn't have support from his coach. And here is why. Matt Dumba is a great defenseman. Like, I get JT Brown is, like, I don't even think he, he – I think he's in the bubble, but he's not playing because – Okay. – kind of a real fringe NHLer got Caught it. Matt Dumba is a really good defenseman. You could easily justify – and in many cases, many people would argue that, oh, they are – Oh, they're doing a fist bump line. Just interrupting you for this. <laughs> this They're not doing a handshake line. They are doing a fist bump line with their gloves on. Okay. So that's, okay. That's, or are they going to have a storm surge? Uh, no, I don't think they did storm, storm surges. Okay. But they're just doing they, – they kept their gloves on, which I think is the big thing. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> back to that. So I was just listening to Steve Dangle podcast, and they were saying, the Coach – could have easily in a normal circumstance it made sense to start him why couldn't you start him so then he could be on the ice so mm-hmm. then he could kneel mm-hmm. obviously the fist thing is powerful whatever but like if he he should have that opportunity right and even it, if he wanted to do the, the fist like then he would be on the ice where it would so much more visible
1: right and it it kind of makes you think that that's the reason he wasn't on the ice so he couldn't be able to do that and even if that's not the reason if I can make that jump to that conclusion then how many other people can do that too yeah and so it just
0: there's I think after what we had seen the Dallas Vegas thing gave me hope yeah. I think I think it takes people like Tyler who are very secure in their position on the team, Mm -hmm. who are like highly paid, going to be in the top line, whatever, to do that, to free other people to feel comfortable doing that. Because, and this is the fault of the coaches and the league and all of that. They aren't standing up and saying, hey, if this is something that you want to do, do it. And we encourage as many people as possible to do it because it's really powerful.
1: So I have a couple things I wanted to mention about the Stars because in their post-game interviews, Sagan mentioned that he, during warm-ups, and there were pictures even of him talking to Reeves during warm-ups, and he told he told Reeves, like, I, I'm going to kneel just so you know. And that's when Reeves told him, like, I will too. Because I think, I, I think that they were both worried about being the only ones. Yeah. And Sagan said he went back to the uh, – dressing room, and he told the rest of the team, like, Reeves is going to kneel, I'm going to kneel with him, like, and that's when Dickinson was, like, okay, I'm going to also, because Dickinson said that he, he wanted to, um, he says he has a lot of family from the islands, and, like, he has an uncle that's black, and it's obviously a very um, personal thing for him, too, and he really wanted to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of me is, like, why didn't the rest of the team, or some, or anyone else, since he went to the whole team and said this is what we're gonna do in my mind Tyler kind of acted as a buffer in a good way because him being a prominent player a very well-known name he's secure like I can understand players being like younger players or players not making as much being worried like I have to pick between my career and doing this which is a very unfortunate thing that you have to weigh both of those things but it is
0: a valid concern yes
1: So, I I can totally understand if, like, no one wanted to be the first one to do it. But the fact that, you know, Sagan's going to do it, to me, I would think of, okay, that's a buffer. So, if he's going to do it, we can't get in trouble or,
0: you know, or have some kind of, like, repercussion from it. because in a way, Jason Dickinson is almost that, too, because he's not exactly elite. Exactly. So, so it's like, if enough of us do it, they're not going to kick us all out. Right. And... uh, I don't
1: want to harp on Jamie Benn, but his silence has been noticeable. And at first I did give him the benefit of the doubt because he's not on social media very often. And so I was like, okay, he doesn't want to make any kind of statement on social media because that's just not who he is. I get it. But then I I kind of feel like that's a moment where the captain should, Neil, because Sagan's a leader on the team too. So it would just be nice to see him also take initiative as the captain. And I think it's important to also note that neither Sagan or Dickinson in any other circumstance would have been on the ice because they were not in the starting line. They specifically chose to be on the ice to kneel. It's not like they were already on the ice, so they knelt anyway. They specifically decided to go out on the ice and kneel. And I think part of me kind of, I don't like to make excuses for them because in my eyes, I feel like it would have been easy to kneel along with them at the moment Sagan came back and said, I'm going to kneel on the ice. Who wants to join me? Like, I feel like I would have been like, yes, okay, you're doing it too. We could do this all together as a team. It'll be good. So I don't want to make excuses for people, but I find I think I'm doing it because I don't understand why it was only Dickinson that
0: decided to kneel. And I think part of it is, and this is what they k- talked about on Steve Jingles was like, there is a, a culture problem in hockey, mm-hmm. and I think that impacts so much mm-hmm. that it, it makes people, like, and I, I think some of it is, like, we only have ourselves to blame because, like, we always, like, say, oh, we want players to have a personality, we want players to have a personality, we want players to have a personality, and then the first time they say anything remotely interesting, and I'm not even just talking about this situation Mm -hmm. but even like well okay william meelander wore like burberry shorts and like a bucket hat and everyone (laughs) was like oh my god he what is he doing right and it's like okay come on like it's just there's no dress code just chill out like he wants to he, he likes to dress eccentric whatever and i think those kind of things make people then say, okay, yeah, you say you want personality, but do you really? Uh, You don't really. So I can't. And so it kind of makes them like clam up and be like, I can't do anything.
1: Yeah. Which I totally get. I think, I think just my biggest thing that I want to understand and I want to know more about the thought process, which we might not never know. They might not ever want to say, which is fine. I just want to know, like, what was the rest of the team's reaction when Sagan came into the dressing room and said, I'm kneeling. Anyone who wants to join Reeves is also kneeling. Cause I don't know if he knew that Leonard was kneeling. I think Reeves might've told him him. and Leonard okay. kneeling. So I, I, it just, part of me just wants to know, like, I can totally understand the, how it would feel if you think you're going to be the only one going to do it and that pressure of that. But if you know someone else on your team Who's a big name, a big star, a well-known name? I would even say to player to people who don't watch hockey that often,
0: like in my mind, I'm like, wouldn't you be comfortable to do it? Um, and I was just thinking of this. So another thing that I think is important, Matt Dumba, famous like a, a, a kind of noticeable part of his in the Edmonton game was that he stood up for the Canadian anthem, and okay. he has since said. That if he could go back, he would stay kneeling for the Canadian anthem because he has Indigenous family members who live in Canada. And there are a lot of bad things happening Mm -hmm. to Indigenous people in Canada. And then they have their own issues with racism, too. But so I, I think that that's an interesting point. And obviously, a lot of the focus is on the U.S. and there are certain aspects on violence police and all of that that i think are at least somewhat unique to the u.s like I, i'm not saying there isn't problems with policing in black people right. or other places but there are some like uniqueness to it to the u.s however i think it, like his point is it's not just a u.s problem right and mm-hmm. that he wishes yeah he so i just thought it was an interesting thing to point out and that he's since clarified
1: yeah and i wanted to read a tweet real quick because um as I was watching uh Dickinson and Sagan kneel as well I like immediately got proud because like we finally see white players backing up their word and kneeling and then but there it was a part of me that I'm like okay is this a big deal because I'm white I it it seems like it would be a big deal but I don't know for sure but I did want to read this tweet and I retweeted it and it's from Jordan, and her uh, Twitter is at underscore joe, and I actually found her because she's a Black artist, and she did the logo for Black Girl Hockey Club, which mm-hmm. their shirts are freaking amazing, and I really want one because the artwork is just so good, but she tweeted, um, I don't think many non-Black fans realize that players kneeling and or raising their fists during the anthems means so much. Even if the players don't know us personally, it shows they care that we have basic human rights and that means the world. And I feel, again, it's such a simple tweet, but, and like she said, it's such a simple thing to do, but has such a huge impact, clearly, like. I think it could very easily look performative, but I think the players that are doing it are backing it up with words they previously said. And then even in the interviews after,
0: like they knew what they were doing and what it meant. Well, and also, okay. How is it performative at this point in the sense that hockey isn't doing much at all?
1: Yeah. And I think that's also why seeing them kneel felt even like, I don't know the words, but even better just to see because it came after, you know, hashtag Neil for hockey was trending on Twitter because all they did was stand next to each other. And then to see um, Dumba not have any kind of backup from his team or support really. And Sagan even mentioned that in, his, in the post-game interview that seeing that kind of made him want to do it even more. Um, so to, to see them do that after everything else, I hope they continue doing it during the playoffs I don't know if I saw anything today from any teams but I do know that like someone was saying on the national broadcast they didn't show the anthems for the stars game
0: and I'm since I'm local I saw it no so okay that's that's kind of a bit of a lie okay so er, it's not a lie it's just not the full story okay so Dallas's game because I watched it on NBCSN. Mm-hmm. It's what they call bonus coverage, or like, so basically they have their set schedule, mm-hmm. but then there's like a little bit of time where they'll be in between games, mm-hmm. and at that time they would play the Dallas game. So you might get to see like a period or like half the game, but you don't get to see the full game because there's too many games to fit. Okay. On the network, so we actually saw. Um, who is Dallas playing? Vegas. Yeah, we saw Vegas's call. So like we got Vegas's announcers. We okay. didn't see the anthem at all or anything. It was just like let's pick it up mid game, and okay. then as soon as like the period was over, then it went back to the NBC Sports studio. So it wasn't really like we were seeing the full game.
1: Got it. Okay. Because so I at least I,
0: cut them slack on that. At least okay. personally,
1: because I saw a tweet that made it seem like they just didn't show that part, and I was like, Huh, interesting if it's a national broadcast. Why they I think
0: because it... NBC has been really focusing on that, so I think it is, yeah. just a, like got it coverage thing.
1: Um, I did have one rant, real quick though, <laughs> even though this isn't like a normal episode, even though the links probably is, but whatever. Um, so I, I know technically I think that was a Vegas home game based on. I'm basing that on the jerseys. Like, if the some, jerseys are
0: dark, Vegas was home.
1: Yeah. So when they sing the national anthem, they piped in the part where I guess their fans scream "night," mm-hmm. but not "stars," which I get. It's supposed to be their home game, but in my eyes, like, well, stars fans would have still been there, so we would have screamed "stars," so they should have had both. But and they, they better do, do that when Dallas is home. Exactly. They better. I don't, know, I don't know which one is their home game. I would assume maybe against the
0: abs. I would love for it to be against the blues. But, you know, if they don't, that's a little on the stars. Because I'm pretty sure, because the Vegas used their, like, they get to, the home team gets to supply the anthem.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Well, it was,
0: it seemed live to me, but I don't know. Yeah, but they get to, like, supply the singer, and so then, yeah. then you get to say, like, oh, hey, and I want this.
1: I would imagine – the stars are really good in-game, so I would imagine they they have that to send them. Literally, the- you know what they should do? They should use the recording from
0: uh, the Winter Classic. Use that. Mm-hmm. And it would be so good. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> – um, The one thing I did want to say, this is kind of like my version of a rant, but it's actually uh-huh. from Laura's mom. <laughs> she was talking about – So, you know, they have – They've had all their hashtags and stuff that they're doing for – black lives matter or whatever in hockey Mm -hmm. and their big thing is like end racism it like cuts off so bad it it just yes (laughs) it just says racism about
1: that I was like you know that would it's like if a photographer like framed that right that would be a pretty powerful photo but not in a
0: good way but on the tv half the time you just see it say racism Racism. yeah and I'm like I noticed not good like, someone's going to turn on not, not having, like, flipping channels, just end up there, not having seen hockey at all, and be like, wait, why does it just say racism? It's like the NHL is subtweeting themselves. Yeah, it's, it's... So, I haven't seen that near as much, so maybe someone told them, hey, on the TV it's just showing racism in big yeah. old letters, like, maybe, maybe chill out with that. <laughs> Well, and if they wanted to do the end racism thing, they should have put it on the coverings of the seat. Yeah. You always see completely that. so You would yeah. have seen the whole thing on those video boards. Those or make it a horizontal sign because
1: the vertical is not working. Yeah. So. Although I will say I am very jealous that the Penguins are playing in Toronto because Toronto's team photographer is there taking pictures at all of the games, mm-hmm. and he's my favorite hockey photographer, Mark Blinch. Go look at his Instagram if y'all haven't looked at it because the the pictures are so beautiful, and I'm extremely jealous that I won't get stars
0: pictures like that. Oh, one more thing, just random something I thought of from hockey. So, Kasmir cast Castisuo, he is a... That's a name. <laughs> he's Finnish. That's why it's such an interesting name. But he is like the third string goalie or something for the Maple Leafs. He's doing like vlogs. He has a YouTube channel and he's doing like vlogs from inside the, the bubble. And he is a vegan. And so the first night he was talking about, like he was looking through the room surveys menu. And the only thing he could find that would work Was like this falafel thing and so everyone's like man he's gonna have to really love falafel he's gonna be in there for any length of time and that's the only thing you can get from room service but then he was showing on like his third one that like whoever had seen it in the league or something and they called the hotel and apparently, they had, like, a vegan menu that just wasn't given to him. And so, they slid it under, and there's, like, four or five different options. And so, he can rotate. And so, he, like, t- t- brought it up. But I thought, compared to the NBA, who was getting, like, their Lunchable meals. Yeah. That it's, like, a really g- cool thing of, like, hey, we have a player that's vegan. And he can get Chipotle and stuff and have that brought in. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have to make him bring in. Yeah. We want him to have access to the food that we're providing. So,
1: And as someone who has to eat gluten-free, I totally understand seeing a menu and be like, I can have one thing on this. So I I can't imagine like how
0: excited that must have been for him to have a menu, especially if you're going to be there for so long. And in Toronto, they have two, although now that Rangers lost, it will soon be one, type one diabetics. Mm -hmm. So they have to be really careful with that stuff too. Yeah. Which, okay, this is a question I had max yeah, the service dog orion who's <gasps> the goodest oh, boy yeah. ever uh-huh. and he will like alert max when his blood sugar is low and this is when he's not playing hockey because obviously orion isn't like pawing out there on the ice <laughs> i would love to see it though but he, like and he was talking about I, I, there's some really interesting videos where max talks about it like because the biggest thing is when he's sleeping Because he can Mm -hmm. get really low or really high and Mm -hmm. he won't know it. And then it can like be a real serious medical emergency. And so Orion never sleeps when Max is sleeping. That's like when he's on duty. And he was saying if he, if if Orion detects it, he will not stop until Max is awake. Like he said, he's got like paws and like (laughs) face and stuff like wake up. And so that seems like really important so does Orion get to come into the bubble? I don't know. I need to know this answer. He would have to, right? Like they can't just be like, no, you dog. Can't bring your dog. He's a service dog. Yeah, also, there's like laws around that.
1: I would like to imagine that every team got to bring their team dog, and that the team dogs get to hang out in their own little dog bubble. I I don't think so, but I would hope so because dog therapy is like very a thing. Yes, I'm gonna. I don't care if it's true or not. It's what I'm gonna
0: believe. Um, But, yes, so I need to know if if Orion made it into the bubble because I love him. He he never gets nominated for best dog. I know. Which is, like, a tragedy because he can detect blood sugar levels.
1: I wonder if he could do that for, like, do service dogs only do that for,
0: like, the human that's theirs? No, so that he was trained with a, a different diabetic.
1: Okay, so if, like, someone else's blood sugar happened to be, like, low
0: when he was around he could detect it for them too he could but I don't know that he would because I think it's like he has his signal for maps so like they train with a different diabetic just to detect to get that Uh skill and then once they get that skill then they spend like maps spend a couple weeks with the company where it was like okay here's how you alert maps okay I actually saw a video on the like training not necessarily for that specific program Mm -hmm. where they like have a diabetic. And they like take the blood sugar of the diabetic and then they like take saliva samples and then put what the blood sugar was. And so they have like very precise so he can detect like a little bit above and a little bit below and like very like they get it very precise. And then they put them in like like different spots and have Uh the dog like alert or not alert depending on if it's right or wrong. Cool. so who this knew this? This so much gonna, <laughs> this is gonna turn into like a full-blown episode but i had fun yeah so. anything hey, else I, you want to cover
1: we tweeted that it was going to be a not so many episode. so you know
0: a we're bonus gonna call episode. this quick hitter with like quick in quotation yeah
1: for real i think so. that's it except the rangers and oakland are currently tied and i don't love that um
0: vancouver is up one nothing on who are they playing again minnesota and um new york is officially the first team eliminated that's all we got so poor rangers but 12.5 percent chance of alexa (laughs) that's they didn't have that coming into the day yeah
1: that's so true at least you have something you get
0: something out of it so anyways we'll see you all next week for our full full episode (laughs) if we aren't already giving you that anyways talk to y'all later bye guys